Good morning. My name is Alyssa Diedrich, and I get to read to you this morning from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. It says this. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. Thanks, Alyssa. How are we? Good morning. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Uh, my name is Brent Hall. I'm the lead pastor here at Edinburgh. For those of you who don't know me, uh, just uh, so glad that we're all here this morning as we kick off a, a new series. I, I also want to say, um, hey, if you're tuned in online, we're glad you are and uh, that you're with us as well. Um, but we are going to be kicking off a new series today that I'm excited about called Jesus Culture. Jesus Culture. And the really the, the heart of this series is how do we look more like Jesus and create a culture that looks like Jesus by our beliefs, our values, our practices. Um, that, that's, that's where we're going with this. And so we're going to be studying the Sermon on the Mount where it seems like Jesus is primarily trying to help us uh, establish a new culture here, here on earth, this, this, Jesus, this Jesus culture. And uh, my, my hope is that Edinburgh Church is going to embody that more and more. Uh, when Danielle and I first got married, I remember she fell in love with this lotion. Uh, and this lotion had a scent to it. It, it, it smelled of coconut. And uh, she would wear it every day. And so it kind of became almost like an association thing. Like, I, I, you know, I, I, I just, that was my wife's smell. She smelled like coconut. She doesn't wear it quite as much of these days. But probably for the first 10, 15 years of our life, I mean, this was her, her scent. You could blindfold me and put me in a crowded room and I'd be able to find my wife, right, be, because of that smell. Uh, it was somewhat potent. So, like, I could be sitting downstairs. She'd be upstairs. I could tell when she was coming. Yeah. <laughs> Right? So it would give me like a, a heads up to hide, you know, because she might, you know, before she tells me to take out the trash or something like that. No, I'm kidding. But she had this smell to her that it was her. It, 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 it was just how I thought of my wife and maybe your spouse, someone, you know, kind of has that distinct smell to the, hopefully it's a good one, right? But, but a smell. And, 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 and the hope of this, this series is, is, guys, that we're, we're going to smell more like Jesus, <laughs> this is how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 2. He says, listen to this. For we are to God 
the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And we are the pleasing aroma of, of Christ, both to those who are being saved and are coming to Jesus uh, through our ministry, also those who reject the gospel and walk away from it. Regardless, we are called to be the pleasing aroma of Christ. So, so we want to we smell more like Jesus, right? As we study the Sermon on the Mount, that's the hope, to have that kind of culture where people know it smacks of this Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to get into the introduction of this sermon. Um, it's called the Beatitudes, something we call the Beatitudes. And normally when I, when I preach, I like to preach on a specific topic, you know, on something specific. Uh, this is going to have to be a, a little more broad. I don't have time to, you know, cover every uh, verse, every, every beatitude that Jesus mentions in, in depth. But there are some themes that I do see emerge that I think we can, we can start off with. And I think it's going to set the groundwork for the rest of this, this, this series. Um, it's something... Uh, I'm calling uh, the keys to the kingdom. I think we're going to see three themes sort of emerge. And I'm calling the keys to the kingdom or these three keys to kingdom blessing. And I'm telling you, if you will take these keys and use it, uh, use these keys, we're going to unlock the door to God's blessing in our life and in our, in our church. In fact, the, the word beatitudes comes from a Latin word that means happy or blessed, or fortunate. And that's the idea here. Um, Jesus is going to start off each statement with blessed are. And so he's telling us, how do we experience the blessing of God, or what he's going to call the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven. And that's, that's my hope for us. So we're going to take these keys, and we're going to unlock the blessings that come from the kingdom of heaven. When I, when I became a Christian, I was very rough around the edges. My life was all messed up, uh, really messed up. Uh, but I came to the, the, the Sermon on the Mountain. I came to the Beatitudes. And I remember saying, God, I, I, I want your blessing in my life. I need all of you that I can get. And I hope that will be our spirit and our attitude as a church. God, I want all of you that I can get. Jesus is going to promise that we will be blessed if we will use these keys and step into this stuff. Um, now, I will say this. This is going to be very different from, from what the world thinks brings blessing. Okay, And I think we'll see that as we study these keys. This is countercultural. It, it's even counterintuitive. It's upside down from how most people think. But that's, that's Jesus for us. Okay, And so this is the culture that Jesus is going to set forth for us. It's very different from the world. It will stand out. It will stand out. So let's jump into the first key. What I believe is the first key to the kingdom, humility. First key to the kingdom is, is humility. Jesus starts off the beatitude saying this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There we see it right off the bat. Imagine starting off your sermon with this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But he says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to notice something. This is where sort of studying the Greek and tense, you know, and how um, verbs and all that work can be important. Because 
A lot of the Beatitudes, Jesus is going to say it's future. The blessing is future, but this is interesting. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the kingdom is not something that's coming. The kingdom is not something that we wait for. The kingdom is here now. Now, it's not perfected. We still live in a fallen and a broken world. But Jesus has already inaugurated the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Even if it hasn't been consummated yet, it has been inaugurated. And he gives us an invitation into it so that we can start to experience all the blessings that come with it. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That word meek there, by the way, means gentle. So you see there's this, there's this idea here, this theme here of lowliness that, that Jesus is getting to. He's teaching us to be humble. The Bible has a lot to say about humility. God, you know, lifts up the humble. He brings down who? He brings down the, the, the proud. And, and so this is, this is Jesus right away starting off the first key to the kingdom. It, it's humbling ourselves, which really is just having an attitude of dependence on God. Because we recognize our, our, our spiritual poverty. We, we recognize that we don't have the, 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 the strength um, to, to live out all that God wants for us on our own. We, we desperately need God's help. We, we, we need to be dependent. That's what humility is. It's this idea here of being dependent upon God. Um, you know, the, the posture of your pastor is one more and more as I get older. It, it's just, it's, it's this attitude. If you could kind of have a glimpse into what's going on internally inside of me, it, it's just more and more. It's if you could hear sort of the words in, in my heart, it, 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 it's just, Lord, help, 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 help me, Lord, help, help. Anybody else? This, this is the part. Help, help. God, help. I need your help. I need your help. Okay, and, and if anything has taught me how much I need, raising kids. <laughs> kids will do that. I mean, anybody think they've read that one parent book, they've got it all figured out, and their kids are going to turn out exactly how they think? Or <laughs> you, that would be very foolish. And so we walk around, you know, help, Lord, I need, I need help with my kids. Help, help my kids. Help, I'm praying for my kids, Lord, they need you. Help, help, help. And even when you think you're doing stuff right and you're like, man, I did apply that principle and it seems to be working. Next day you come downstairs at the refrigerator eating a stick of butter. <laughs> help, 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 Lord, I need your help. I don't care what area of it, your life it is, we need God's help. This is the Christian spirit. This is our attitude. We are a humble, lowly people. We realize we can't do it on our strength, not, not by strength, not by, uh, you know, uh, might, but, but by my power, says the Lord. It's this attitude, God, it's not our strength. It's not our, our power. It's, it's your help. It's a spirit of humility, recognizing our spiritual need. And, of course, that applies to raising kids, our marriages, praying for our spouse, our, our, our job situation, leading a church, whatever it says, God, I need your help. And of course, ultimately, we need his help when it comes to salvation because none of us can save ourselves. We need a savior. And that's why we praise Jesus because he's good enough. And, and he does help us and provides the way. 
So this is the first key to the kingdom. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a spirit of humility that Jesus is getting at here. Second key of the kingdom is righteousness. Righteousness. He goes on to say this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So when it comes to the Bible, we need to understand there's, there's really two kinds of righteousness. There's the righteousness that Christ provides for us. That's the ultimate righteousness we trust in for salvation and, and being right before God, coming into his presence. But then there's, of course, our own righteousness, our own sanctification process, our own moral righteousness. And I love that Jesus, he didn't say blessed are the righteous. If he said that, this, that would be pretty discouraging. No, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for it. You know, blessed are those who desire it. Are we going to be a church that desires to look more and more like Jesus? Hungers and thirsts for his righteousness. Now, he's, he's, he's implying we're not going to arrive, right, here, here on earth. That's why he says we're going to need mercy. At times, we're going to need mercy. So you better be merciful to others because those are the ones who receive mercy. But we should Desire. We should desire to want to be pure in heart, to have an innocent heart. I want to have a pure heart because I know when my heart's pure, that's when, I see, that's when I see God the most clearest, most clearly, is when, when, when my heart is innocent, when my heart is pure. So this would be something, church, we desire to be more like Jesus. We desire to be more righteous. Now, the problem that we got to unpack a little bit with this is, is oftentimes Christians in the church, they take the Bible and all the morality that the Bible teaches us and how we're supposed to live, and they turn the Bible into a pair of, you know, binoculars. Looking at all the sins out there, the sins of others, rather than using the Bible as a mirror to show us ourselves. And the struggles and, and, the, and the problems that we need to wrestle with in our hearts. You know, when I was a young pastor here at Edinburgh, just starting off, I remember after a service, I'm, I'm walking down uh, the hallway to my office, and there's a group of people standing around talking. And one guy in this group, he, he's just borderline railing against... Um, homosexuals, and, and same-sex marriage. And uh, I joined in on the conversation and couldn't believe all the things that was happening culturally and how culture has changed in this area. And of course, the Bible does have things to say about that. It does talk about that. But I didn't know quite what to think of it at the time, and I remember going to my office, and um, about a year and a half later, maybe two years later, this guy's wife is in my office. His parents, or her parents, are on the phone with me. And um, it's come out that he is, he is verbally, emotionally, and even physically abusive to his wife. And he's been abusing his wife. And, and, I, and I saw them probably go through one of the ugliest divorces that, that I've seen here at Edinburgh Church in my time here. And, and friends, it was just, just eye-opening, just a reminder how it's so much easier. It's just so much easier 
to point at people who deal with things that we can't understand and we don't struggle with than it is to examine our own hearts and our own souls and our own lives and say, what, does the, what do I need to work on? It, it just becomes so much easier. You know, some of you probably read about the Southern Baptist denomination, just came out with this report. Um, up here in the north, we're probably not too familiar with the southern denomination, southern Baptist denomination. Um, but people who've grown up in the south and, 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 and were, you know, where, the, where that was a more prominent denomination, they know they took high moral stances on things, strong moral stances, uh, things like alcohol, like zero tolerance for alcohol. I mean, some of these churches, one beer, you're going to hell was the message. And yet last year a report comes out showing that uh, 200-page report, by the way, I think roughly like 700 names listed of sexual abuse that was being covered up by the Southern Baptist denomination. And I bring this up because do we understand that the world sees this? Do you, do you understand the world sees our hypocrisy? Mom and dad, your kids see it. You need to know that. They see it. It becomes so much easier to focus on the sins out there that I don't struggle with rather than deal with what God is trying to say to me. And this is nothing new. This is just religion in general to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. But God has to say things like this over and over. We read this in 2 Chronicles. And I hope we'll hear this as a church He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, so we see that word again, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You could read that, I will bless their nation. But when when what happens? When my people turn from their wicked ways. Friends, we desire revival out there, but revival has to start with us right here. It's got to start with you and me. And I just wonder, is God saying you need to work on anything? Anything in your life that you know doesn't honor him and, and bring him glory? It starts with us. Third and last key to the kingdom, peacemaking, peacemaking. Jesus says this, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because Great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so here I see this theme of being peacemakers. And yes, Jesus talks about persecution, but persecution fits into this because he's saying you're going to be persecuted. You don't retaliate. You are to be a champion of peace. That's what you're called to. Some of you remember in the 1990s, um, there was a civil war that took place in Rwanda. 
uh, they estimate um, 500 to 800,000 people were killed in the Civil War, primarily by the majority who uh, attacked the minority. And so it was warfare back and forth. You killed my family member, I now go and kill your family member. I mean, how do you bring, uh, you know, any peace into that kind of crisis? Sociologists are studying this still today. The president, uh, Paul uh, Kagame, uh, is, 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 largely gets credit for bringing peace. And, of course, they use diplomacy and different things like that. But uh, Pastor Rick Warren uh, once uh, had the opportunity to sit down with him and ask him this question. How in the world did you put an end to that back and forth vengeance mentality? How in the world did you bring peace? And I've never forgotten his answer. He said, we had to be willing to absorb the pain. And Christian, that's what we're called to. We're going to be attacked. <laughs> Not everyone's going to understand what we believe. We're going to be insulted. If you live out your morality, people are going to see that, and they're going to feel threatened by that. Not because you're speaking out against them and calling them out, just because of the way you live your life. And you're going to experience persecution, but we aren't called to retaliate. We're called to absorb the pain. In fact, we're going to see later on in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about loving our enemies forgiving them, and even praying God's best for them. This is, this is groundbreaking stuff. That's why we can't get the Beatitudes right. I don't know how we're going to get anything else out of the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of Christians today, to me, just seem angry. They just seem angry. Angry at the world, angry at culture. My friends, we're called to bless them. That is the calling that Jesus has called us to. Okay, so three keys. Humility, dependence on God, pursuing and desiring righteousness in our own lives and in our church, peacemaking, being willing to absorb the pain and even pray and love those who come against us. But Jesus is saying that if you will do this, if you will use these keys, if you will live this out, what is he saying? I'm going to bless you. <laughs> I'm going to show up. That's, what is ultimately his blessing? Let me tell you what his blessing ultimately is. It's his presence with us. Anybody desire more of God's presence with them? Anybody desire more of God's presence in their home? His presence with their kids? His presence in your marriage? His presence in your car? I do. I want more of his, I want all of God's presence that I can, I want all of heaven that I can get while I'm here on earth. Anybody else? Friends, if we will use these keys, we unlock heaven here on earth. We will be called blessed because we will have God with us. I've just come to learn, I don't think God likes hanging out with everyone. From the mouth of babes. <laughs> Liked that. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I, I don't I don't think God likes hanging out with every every person that calls himself a Christian. I just don't. I've experienced that in my own life. When I'm not living this out, I, I get very little. 
But I think the person who lives the humble life, the person who pursues and desires righteousness and to look like Christ, and the person who is willing to make peace, even when I, that is the person God loves to show up and work and move and reveal himself. And I want that for Edinburgh Church. Anybody else? I want that for our church. And I got to give us some credit here, Edinburgh, because we've seen it over the years. We've seen it. I remember, this was just recently, uh, a guy, from uh, Jimmy John's, one of our staff, uh, you know, put in an order for a Jimmy, the, 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 the Jimmy John's delivery guy shows up, and not as freaky fast as they say they are, but he shows up, and, and he's, at our, he's at our door, and he, and he just took a step in the building, and right away he took a step in, and he goes, oh my goodness, there, there's something different about this place. He, he goes, I stepped in, I just feel something good here, and it gave the staff member an opportunity to actually share the gospel and Tell this person what that is. It's God. His presence, even in physical places like this building. I want that in my home. I want that in my car. I want it every, I want it in my body. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, I don't know if some of you know what I'm talking about. When we unlock the kingdom, God shows up and he lives with us. He makes himself known. And some days, yeah, we don't feel it. We don't see it. But we believe and we know he's working. And then you see it. God is good. Man, I want us to be that kind of church. More and more and more. I want God, you can't tap out how much of his presence he'll give you. It's too much. Anybody saying I want more? I want more. I'm going to end with this verse. Jesus says this. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, we all know the cross, right? It's, a, it's an instrument of death. And so he's saying you're going to have to die to some things. You're going to have to deny yourself some things to be my follower. Yes, you are. If you want the kingdom with you, you're going to have to take up your cross. But the end of the cross is not death. The end of the cross leads to life. We get life, true life, through death. That's Christianity, friends. True life, the presence of God, his blessing comes by way of dying to ourselves. I want more. And I hope you do too. So I just wonder, is there anything you need to die to starting today? Maybe some of us need to die to some pride or trying to do life on our own or thinking, you know, I got this. I, I can do this on my own. I don't really need God's help in this area. I don't know what that might be for you, but maybe we need to die to that today and just start with that Go back to that posture of, Lord, help. I need you. I'm like a child. Dependent on you, I need your help. Maybe we need to die to some unrighteousness. Maybe there's something in your life right now. And you need to examine that and, and, and see what that is. I just had someone call me out because, I don't know, I'm in a season where cuss words are coming out of my mouth. I don't know why. And I'm saying in front of staff, and I'm, you know, words like shoot. No. Worse. So I'm, having the, I'm in a season. I'm like, God, why? What's going on in my heart? Am I angry about something? What's going on here? What, what is that for you, friend? You've got to... I believe God's going to reveal that to you. I believe he's revealing that to you right now, what that is. Anybody need to put to death some anger and hate they have towards others or the world or culture? 
stop retaliating, and, and, and maybe this is the day you say, I'm going to forgive. I'm actually going to pray. Because that's what Christ has called us to. Well, to do these things, friends, we're going to need strength, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to end by taking communion. Uh, if you didn't grab a communion cup, just raise your hand. We got people in the back. Uh, I'd love to be able to do this with all of you. Yeah, what, what are we doing? What are we, what are we taking? What, are we, what is this thing we're doing right now? You get, oh, man, this is so important. It's so powerful. If you enter this with faith, if you come at this thing with faith and, and recognize that what you're doing, you're taking Jesus into yourself. You're eating his body. You're, you're taking his blood into yourself. Why? So you can start to smell more like Jesus. You ever eaten too much garlic? What happens? I kid you not, Danielle just recently drank a potion. That it had like 20 cloves of garlic in it. Like three days. I was like, let's go back to that coconut lotion. Because this is what, that's what we want. We want to take Jesus in it because then we're going to, man, I just want to, I want a smell of Jesus. I want our church. I want people to drive by and go, man, I feel Jesus right there. Well, we do that by taking Christ into ourselves. So we're going to start by the body, with the body. You just take that top layer, you peel it. And this is his body broken for us. So we want to receive that this morning. Jesus, you died so that we can have your life in us. So we're going to receive that life right now and be strengthened by you. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Peel that second layer. Represents the blood of Christ shed for our sin to bring us into the kingdom. It's only by this, it's only by this blood we can come into the kingdom. <laughs> All right, so... If there's any sin in your life or anything that needs to be confessed, this is a good time to do it and ask Jesus just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He say he's, the Bible says he's faithful to do that. We can be clean. I want us to walk out of here today, church. I want us to be clean, cleansed by Christ, what he's done for us. So let's take and receive that this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you bring us into this thing called your kingdom and that you make a way. We can start experiencing that right now, today. And I pray as we, 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 we begin to look more like Jesus, as we step into humility and, and, and step into pursuing righteousness, as we step into being peacemakers, that we're just going to reek of Jesus, if I can say that. It's going to smell of you, Christ. Our spouse is going to see it in us. Our kids are going to see it in us. Our parents are going to see it in us. Our teachers at school are going to see it in us. Our bosses and coworkers, they're going to smell it on us. Our neighbors and our community and our, and our world. Help us to be that, Lord, as we kick off this series. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. All God's people said, amen.